listeners, just wanted to talk to you about some exciting content that we have coming up. Our season one is winding to a close, at least for us recording these. And (laughs) we are thinking about taking some time off in January, but we don't want to leave you without laughs. Get it? Love it for screening laughs it would be like denying a plant sunshine chelsea cruel and unusual exactly so we do have a couple of bonus content episodes that'll be coming at you in january before we are back with you starting february 1st it's the first wednesday in february with season two but this is where we need your help One of our bonus episodes will be like a retrospective. We're going to look back on the films that we watched in season one. We're going to do some fun stuff. We're going to talk about the couples. We're going to talk about our discussions, the fun jokes that we've had and made along the way. Madison might share our villain origin stories, how this podcast came to be. I'm going to embellish it horribly. It's going to be a fun episode. And this is where you all come in. We would love to hear from you. So you can write in, send us an email to loveitfirstscreening at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram at loveitfirstscreening. You can also go down to the bottom of any of the episodes. The last link is anchor.fm slash loveitfirstscreening slash message where your voice can literally be heard. You can record us a voice memo and we can include it in the podcast if that's something you're interested in. And what are we looking for, Madison? Gosh, we are looking for any fixes that they would like to propose. They can tell us how we got something wrong. More importantly, they can tell us how we've done everything right as we are perfect human beings. They can propose pretty much anything as long as they don't propose to us. (laughs) I'm a commitment phobe, Chelsea. If I'm ever going to have a proposal, I'm going to be the one proposing. And, you know, for me personally, if you have any conspiracy theories about romantic comedies in general, that'll really fuel the energy that I've been going for (laughs) this whole season. I'm trying to convince people that these movies are not the feel-good films we think they are. I think there's something more sinister happening. You can help me in this noble cause by writing in, sending us a voice message. But seriously, we'd really like to hear from you. So if you're interested in contributing to that bonus episode that will premiere sometime in January when we take a little bit of time off before season two, please send us an email, a DM, or the voice message by Sunday, December 18th. And if you are sending us a message, a written, please let us know if you would like any of your identifying information included, whether that is a first name, full name, social security number, your bank routing and account number, Uh, We can air any of that or air none of it if you would rather. And if you are leaving a voice message, uh, please know that that gives us license to play it on the air and remix it so it sounds like a cool hit pop song. Which we totally have the skills to do. I'm a mix and master. That's not true. I had to Google the other day. How to match volumes in tracks. 
I was just impressed I knew how to Google. It's honestly a skill that's in short supply these days. I've been trying to teach my grandmother how to copy and paste for years. But in all, please keep in mind that your deadline is December 18th. We really would love to hear from you. Uh, love to hear what you can contribute. So if you would like, please do. And now into the episode. Hello and welcome back to Love at First Screening, the show where I, rom-com enthusiast Madison, introduced my friend, co-host, and resident genre skeptic Chelsea. That's me. To all the feel-good. Cliché. Romantic. Questionable. Hilarious. Occasionally humorous. Films she's never wanted to watch. And this week is very exciting because we are not alone in the studio. With us, we have crafting maven and embroidery extraordinaire, Emma. Hello. Great to be here. Great to be here. <laughs> I'm going to try not to do a voice. I'm going to try to just talk normally. That's what you can but do. But not voice. the whole time, maybe. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's up to you. Emma is our dear friend from school we we were all uh tutors together in the writing center and caused a lot of just madness and mayhem remember that time we played boggle yeah every day for six months yeah (laughs) (laughs) i still i never improved is the funny thing you would think there would be a scale but i feel like i was just as bad the last day as the first and it's uh so madison I have not, or I had not seen this movie. So usually it would just be the two of us, but uh, you chose to have a guest on anyway. Am I not enough for you anymore? No, that's Chelsea. You know that there's only one woman who could ever be enough for me. And it's you. But no, I, I wanted to bring Emma on for this because... We really deeply, truly bonded over, the three of us, I want to specify, bonded over Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And this movie features Sarah Michelle Gellar in her, like, peak prime Buffy years. And what is this movie, you may ask? I'm glad you asked. It is simply irresistible. It's uh, filmed in 1999, and Buffy started in what year, Chelsea? 1997. Knew she had that in her back pocket. I know everything. Ask me anything. I've got it. It's right here. Actually, but that the only thoughts I have are Buffy thoughts. I will try and bring any conversation back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've done it on this podcast before, so <laughs> more than once. And it'll happen again. Don't you worry. That is truly why I felt like we needed to have Emma here. A really full circle moment in our bond friendship you know and so we had to emma our dealer buddy old pal would you like to tell the listeners that do not know you what your opinions are on rom-coms in general and what some of your favorite ones oh, are? i would also consider myself a connoisseur um as madison is of the rom-com you know from an early age in every young woman's life I would say I did I did deliberate a bit before, and I would say my top three are The Holiday, Mr. Wright, and Penelope. Oh, 
remarkable yes. last choice right? there. It's it's a little known one. Christina Ricci in her prime, James McAvoy, um, Reese Witherspoon for some reason, Moira from what's her name in real life? Catherine She's O'Hara. in it. So many big names. That might be a good one for the podcast in future times if you have not seen it. It truly would be. And I think that it would actually be maybe an interesting Halloween episode. I'm kicking myself that it didn't come up this Halloween. Now we're really going to have to hold out. You didn't come up with any. Somebody else was like, you guys should have watched Practical Magic. And I was like, we didn't even do a Halloween episode. So shame on us. Well, I just assumed that you had seen Practical Magic. I have seen Practical Magic, but... I mean, we could have found another Halloween. I actually have never seen Practical Magic. What? Okay, write that down. Emma, you're not allowed to watch it until Until we watch it for this podcast. Okay, I will wait. Which is strange because I love Nicole Kidman and I love Sandra Bullock and I love magic. I don't know what I think I'm missing and why I've never watched it. Wow. Emma, it's so nice to have a little extra someone in my corner here Especially on this one. For anyone who opted not to watch this, even though they had a week to watch this, they knew in advance at least a week if they're watching on release day or listening on release day. This movie, how do I begin to describe the plot of this movie? I will attempt to do so for you now. We have a down-on-her-luck chef who is actually terrible at cooking and her mother's restaurant is about to close down because it's underperforming probably because her food is shit and she meets a sprightly elf of a man in the farmer's market and he convinces her to buy these crabs from him because you should always get crabs from a stranger You can take that either way you want. Take my crabs, Amanda. (laughs) Exactly. Take my crabs, Amanda. That's dialogue. This strange, sprightly man gives Sarah Michelle Gellar's character a bucket of crabs, and one runs away and pinches the leg of a man who is clearly the love of her life. He's opening a restaurant that's like a four-star restaurant that will be inside of Bendel's, the super fancy department store. And then wagginess ensues as it turns out one of the crabs is magic and makes her suddenly cook really, really well. Not only does her food taste delicious, everything that she's feeling gets infused into the food. So whoever eats it feels the same way that she feels. And the guy is like, oh my god, you're a witch because I ate your food and now I've fallen in love with you. And what about free will? And also he really likes paper airplanes. And the mom from EZA is his assistant. And it all comes down to the moment where the fancy French chef quits the night before the fancy restaurant is supposed to open and she fills in. And she makes everyone sob and she stuns them into silence. And then they dance in in a vanilla flavored cloud. And that's the story. And they fall in love and live happily ever after. Because now she can cook because of a magic crab. So Emma, 
usually at this point in time, I try to decide if Chelsea liked the movie. But we're going to decide if you liked it first before we get to me. Because to remind everyone, I had not seen this movie. Right. I think that while this might not be a favorite of Emma's, it had a certain kind of quirky charm that she didn't necessarily hate per se, but she was likely questioning the entire time what the fuck was going on. Yes, I think that uh, Emma does not regret her choice to let Madison pick a movie. She might have more follow-up questions in the future, but overall it was a viewing experience she won't soon forget. Yeah, I would say I, I land somewhere in there. I don't have any plans to ever watch it again. But I don't I don't regret watching it. If anything, it was, you know, a good time. I have a lot of good points. One tip I did pick up on, um, if you can't if you're trying to get a man to, you know, do something you want, just pretend you can't hear anything he's saying and he'll eventually follow you and just go <laughs> wherever you are wanting to go. Which Sarah Michelle or I guess Amanda in this case does successfully at several different points. You were allowed to refer to people by their actual names or a different name of a character they've played before because uh, Madison and I never remember any. Excellent. Names. It's just a little, it's, it's just a mouthful. Sarah Michelle Geller. I can't just call her, you know, one thing. So oh, sure, sure, sure. I'll sure. try to stick to Amanda. Sure. I almost wish that she had a PhD so I could call her Dr. Sarah Michelle Geller. Mm. We could give her an honor. I'm surprised one. she hasn't. Yeah, does, does that, has she gotten one? Celebrities get honorary doctorates. For doing much less than she has, I'm sure. I'm really glad that you didn't respond to our super professional email that we sent (laughs) to you detailing everything that you would need (laughs) to prepare for your guest appearance. I'm really glad that you didn't watch this movie and just immediately reply to it and be like, actually, no thank you. (laughs) Just the summary was enough to pique my interest. I was sold from that point. And it wasn't terribly long, so... It was a nice reason to lay in my bed for an hour and a half. Chelsea, in terms of if you liked it, I think that you were like, what is the plot? Where is the plot? Who is she? What's happening? Why is Madison making me watch this? This isn't much more interesting than Sweet Home Alabama, except for how freaking weird it is. And... It almost threatened your love for Sarah Michelle Gellar just a little bit, but then you remembered her and Buffy and you're like, you know what? No, still God tier. To borrow the words of my great grandmother, it was a bunch of nonsense. It was. Just for fun, I don't have an alternative description, but I did write a recipe. I think that's even better. Thank you so much. So in order to make this movie, this is what you're going to need. You're going to need a cup of You've Got Mail. A pound of Disney's Ratatouille. (laughs) Just a spritz of Practical Magic. A sprinkle of that episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend with the singing Santa Ana winds (laughs) that makes everybody want to take each other's clothes off. And then just bake it 350 for 30 minutes and then you'll have this movie. (laughs) So... This was a wild ride. I, I told my roommate before we came in here to record this. So I rented this movie. You're welcome to watch it if you would like. There's still about 24 hours left on the rental. 
Um, and she's like, well, did you like it? And I went, it was certainly memorable. And I told her a little bit about it. And I said, look, it's above at least three movies we've watched. So I would like to point out that this movie is slowly must be fading into obscurity because you can only rent it from Redbox and Apple TV. So yeah, you don't have maybe a lot of options, jump so. in there while you can if you're intrigued by the what's going on so far, you know. I thought about trying to find ways to pirate it, but then I remember that really aggressive uh, thing in, you know, older movies when pirating movies was really, really big. That was like, pirating films is not a victimless crime. And it just made me nervous, and I was worried that the FBI was going to knock down my door because I'm trying to see this really obscure uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar movie. Well, yeah, if she's getting, you know, some obscure royalties for pennies you know she might get a check for like three cents from all three of us renting it so that would be good for her i will tell you because it came up last go round where chelsea and i questioned the budget and how like the box office numbers for a film so i looked this up too and this movie took about six million dollars to make and i think 90% of that budget was Vanilla Fog and that floor, you know, the wiggly, zigzaggy, wavy floor. Uh, but it only grossed uh, just shy of $4.4 4 worldwide. Wow. So a loss. You know, this only has like 15 or 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's 15 to 16% too low. <laughs> I think this is solidly a 32%. I'm outraged. Let's just, Emma, I want to hear your first impression or biggest standout moment to you in this film. Oh, that's tough. I mean, really everything after she met with the guy in her room and she was like choosing what to wear and they had the conversation about like, when men put their hands in their pockets or adjust their belt. Then on, it was just completely unnecessary sexual tension between her and every character. And that's <laughs> when I was like, okay, let's do this. So I think my favorite part was when they go up to the, the room for the first time and then through no communication at all, what do they like about each other? They've not bonded about anything. I don't know what's going on. But she just crooks her finger at him. And then all of a sudden, they're like touching each other's faces and in their minds dancing, I guess, because they're not actually dancing. I feel like it's all like a dreamscape in their minds. And then that uh, man busts in and is like, what's going on in here? Just the idea that they presented that men think about sex like 238 times a day, I think was their golden number that they brought up. Every four minutes. Yeah, he reasoned out to every four minutes. Not that there was any question, but in case there were and you needed evidence that that man is heterosexual, the <laughs> fact that he did that all that math so quickly in his head, I'm like, you cannot possibly, you don't have a, you don't have even a, a, a like a bi-curious bone <laughs> in your body. I love, yes. Madison has fled screen because <laughs> apparently the laughter was just too much. My knee got cold and when my knee gets cold, it gets achy like an old woman. So I had to get a blanket. <laughs> 
I messed it up. You know what? This is a story time for you of my creaky knee. I messed it up because you want to talk about not having a bisexual bone in your body. I'll give you the opposite example. I was putting on some knee-high zip-up Doc Martin. That's gay. <laughs> <laughs> and the left one got, like, stuck. The zipper got stuck, like, halfway up my calf. And they do lace, but I was rushing and it would be a pain to try to relace them later. And so what did I do? I just tried to like wiggle and angle my foot out of it because I had to go to work. I was going to wear them to work and it was a whole thing. As I was like wiggling and shifting, I fell off my couch onto hardwood with my knee at like a really weird angle. So already that freaking hurt. But then I went on a date the next day with this guy who's, this is actually a a callback to a previous episode where I made a joke about this, but this actually happened to me, where I went on a date with a guy named Levi who worked at a jeans store that was not Levi's. He was like, why don't we hike a fucking mountain with no preparation. One, if anyone's ever met me, they're not going to look at me and be like, that bitch hikes. My type of hiking is to just mosey, take all day, mosey along, explore the flora and the fauna. I'm not aiming to reach the top of the mountain. I'm just trying to commune with nature and eat one of those crumbly ass granola bars, the oats and honey one, and drink some water and get some sunshine. And this motherfucker, he was like six foot three and 90% legs. So he could have like gone to the top of the mountain in like four strides if he really wanted to. And meanwhile, I'm over here, you know, short and stout like a teapot. So I'm double time trying to keep up. So we had to get to the top of this mountain with my fucked up knee and he's just zooming. I'm dehydrated. I want to cry. This is terrible. I only got to pet one dog the entire time. So now sometimes my knee still flares up. That's a crime. You should have at least been able to pet four or five dogs. Exactly. Exactly. I I, I didn't even ever want to go hiking again. And now my knee is fucked up for life. I'm in, you know, my ripe mid-twenties and I have the knee of a 75-year-old. And it's all because of Doc Martens and Levi. All of that happened like a long time ago and then you re-flared it recently? It flares. So my knees are, both of them are also really prone to hyperextending. And so I hyperextended it last week. And then when it gets cold, and I prefer to stay really cold because I'm one of those people where I hate the idea of ever being hot. Me too. Me too. And so I keep my place really cold. And the combination of the hyper extension and the cold, I just just need to keep a blankie on it. That way it doesn't flare up. Did you also recently go on a date? No. Oh, I thought you were leading into, like, the Levi that didn't work at Levi's. I thought you were going to be like, I went on a date with a Martin in my Doc Martens. That's where my brain went. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually only ever met 
one Martin, uh, his girlfriend's name is Rachel. He has amazing hair. And the second time that I ever met him, he was dressed up as Vision and she was dressed up as Wanda. And I didn't recognize either of them. So I'm, re I'm the person who chronically gets my like balls busted for saying it was so nice to meet you or it's good to meet you to people I've already met. Because they will change some facet about themselves, like they'll paint themselves, they'll paint their face and hide their long, glorious hair underneath like a bodysuit, or they will dress like Wanda Maximoff, and I'll never recognize you. So I said, it's so nice to meet you. And they said, we've met. And I died. You know, it's funny, right? So uh, after our first episode came out, I had a friend go, did you really meet Madison on Craigslist? Because <laughs> in the first episode, I'm like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> we met in the feet pick section. <laughs> We're just trying to pay off our student loans. <laughs> Sarcasm is uh, my first language, so. I completely agree that that man does not have a single queer bone in his body to loop it all back around. Nope. He does math too quickly. It's, that's not a thing. You can't be gay and do math that quickly. It's not allowed. I do know a lesbian who's really good at math. I won't name her because I don't want to out her for being a math nerd. <laughs> <laughs> we need somebody to do our taxes, Madison, so... God, you're right. I'm about to be a contract worker. I already don't know how they work with a W-2. What the fuck am I going to do with a 1099? We're all there, man. I get your back. Me and Emma will do our taxes together. I'm also a 1099. We, we, we're going to all have to sit down. I don't really want to pay a CPA $500. Why do they think we have $500? They're clearly looking at how much money we make yeah, in a year. You literally have all my 1099s. You know how much money I've made. <laughs> They're like, ma'am, I don't even think you can afford grapes. Why are you here? <laughs> but can we afford a peach that sprays vanilla mist and makes you horny? I don't think so. That restaurant is really expensive. Also, okay, while we're on the topic of money, you know my favorite thing is to figure out uh, inflation. Mm -hmm. It's my number one, uh, number one side hobby. <laughs> <laughs> but they have calculators for that. So I don't have to actually do the math. So she, she buys these crabs for $59. Which I already thought was high. Like, you're just giving someone essentially 60 bucks. Like, I was already like, nope, that's that doesn't track. A stranger who, like, he only had to ask her twice to buy the crabs. They were just in a wire bath. Like, they weren't chilled. They were live. And they didn't have a top. Like, it was just someone gave her a wicker basket full of crabs. And she was like, okay, here, fine. And then here's 60 bucks. Okay, <laughs> That's calculated for inflation. That's $105. How many crabs can you buy with that? Today? I have no idea. I didn't go that far. You know what? With the wacky inflation these days, that's probably three crabs. Probably. And one of them is probably genital. So Yeah. And none of them are <laughs> magical. Yeah. Not a single one of them are going to save your mother's restaurant and find you yeah. a boyfriend. Or give you a really <laughs> exceptional talent. Nope, mm -mm, not going to happen. It's just going to be a regular old crab. 
She's also the best dressed chef that I have ever seen. Okay, the first scene where they're cooking. I get that it's a movie and I get that it's Sarah Michelle Gellar. I get they don't want to put her in a hairnet, but she doesn't even have her hair up and she keeps touching her hair and then (laughs) whisking things. And I was like, this is not sanitary. Also, she's been cooking for perceivably hours. They did a hundred plates. He walks in, not a drop of sweat, every hair in plates. I'm like, come on, it's hot in there. You know it's hot in there. I saw a video the other day where it was talking about women in a marathon. And they were like, they have their faces beat to the gods, not a single like bit of running mascara. They're on like mile 20 of this marathon. How are you doing it? And these women just start screaming at like the really done up ones. What is your setting spray? And that's what I want to know. What setting spray is Miss Michelle Geller? I... I, I just, I can't, it's kind of like how I would say Mr. The Rock Johnson. Miss Michelle Geller, please, please let us know how you can work in a kitchen for that long and look that good. Because I have never worked in back of house, but I've worked in front of house at two different restaurants before I realized that I'm really shitty at food service. And I looked like if you took a, a possum and dipped it in Crisco after every shift. It did not matter. All of the oil blotting sheets in the world could not have saved me. No. She's just out here. Where is her serve safe compliance is all I want to know. Is she even wearing an apron? Honestly. No, she's not. She's like dressed for a date and she's just in the kitchen. She's cooking up love. That is... (laughs) Also, a little unsanitary, she, like, cries in it and touches things barehanded. That's, that's not food safety. Mm-mm. I would actually cry into every dish that I carried out when I worked at Ruby Tuesday. Just sob into every single dish for the fact that I had to be there. Although, great salad bar in its prime day, you know. And you know what? They would actually, depending on what manager was working that night, they had to throw out like all the lettuces and like easily spoiled stuff at the end of every night. And so if you were working with someone who wasn't a fucking asshole, you know who you are, then the employees could take home like the leftover salad and stuff like that at no cost. Okay, speaking of they have to get rid of things at the end of the day, I once, I was uh, visiting a friend in Durham, North Carolina, and we went to this uh, place called Mo Nuts. I have no idea if they're still there, but it was a donut place, a breakfast place. Delicious. And we were there close, they closed at like 2 or 3 p.m. We're there close to closing, and we were getting ready to wrap up, and she's like, hey, do you guys mind if we stay just a little bit longer? Because I heard that when they close... They can't sell any of the donuts the next day. So like they just bring them out and anyone who's still here can like fill up a bag. And I was like, yeah, okay. I don't, I don't got anywhere to be. I was coming back from my grandmother's funeral. (laughs) She's like, I'm just, I've got a very depressing drive ahead of me. Like, yeah, we can stay. I made the mistake of going to the bathroom. And when I exited the bathroom, just swarms of people around these carts of donuts I thought I was going to lose a limb. I'm picturing Best Buy on a Black Friday. 
Honestly, I think it okay, was Okay, but everybody, let's meet at, what, 2.58 at Bonuts in Durham, North Carolina this week and get all the extra donuts. Yeah. Let's, I mean, we can do it because it's confirmed that they do do that. Anyway, I still have nightmares about it sometimes. <laughs> like, wear your steel-toed boots, you know what I mean? Like, you will lose an, an eye and... But make sure that if you're wearing your knee-high Doc Martens that the zipper doesn't get stuck or else you'll have old lady knees for the rest of your life. Poor thing. It's a tragedy. Um, I know we're going to talk about fixes later, but one thing I absolutely do not want to change about this movie (laughs) is the fact that you can see the string on the crab. (laughs) <laughs> when they're pulling it out of the basket. Oh. I need that. I need that to stay in. I love that. I was like, yeah, love it. <laughs> also, because this is this is 99, right? Like special effects did exist, but they're super expensive. And honestly, this 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 movie wasn't going to have uh, any of those. But I really love practical effects. And I get that this is not a well executed one because you can see the string. But honestly, it just added to this ridiculousness of this movie. I felt safe. <laughs> they they had to save up all of their special effects budget for the paper airplanes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So couldn't use it on the crab. One thing, I was expecting the crab to talk. So I am a little disappointed about that. But overall, yes. Interesting. Interesting that you okay. say that. Interesting. Okay. What, do you have a follow-up? No, 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 no. We'll we'll get to it later. (laughs) We'll put a pin in that, circle back. I will say, though, that they did have the crab make, like, a weird sort of, like, chittery sort of noise or maybe, like, a licking sort of noise at the end when it was licking the sauce off of the French guy's finger like they were lovers. Um, in a tuxedo? All of a sudden... (laughs) That's where the other part of the budget went, was towards the wardrobe. Wait, the crab was in a tuxedo? How did I miss I that? Know. You were just too gobsmacked at the rest of everything the else that had happened. kind of clears, and then he has a top hat and a, like a, whatever the thing it's called that you put on under your jacket, but it's just the chest piece and a bow tie. I totally missed that. You should probably rewind it and catch that. I'm going to go find that scene. About to say, it sounds like a rewatch time. (laughs) (laughs) Also, shout out to the customer who, when Amanda tells them that she's closing the door, he says, where am I going to eat my lunch? (laughs) Looking out for number one, baby. I also loved how she was like, you don't come here for the food with the implication of being the food is shit. And the guy goes, I like the cheesy chicken. And I'm like, sir, you do not like the cheesy chicken. Do not lie. Although it would be a damn travesty to not go somewhere that doesn't have the martini contraption. Arguably the best part of the movie. It it reminded me of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Like, Dick Van Dyke has all of those homemade inventions that he uses to, like, crack an egg. And as a kid, I was like, this is, it's not practical in the least. Like, it would be so much easier to break your own eggs and fry your own sausage or do whatever the heck 
you're making for breakfast. But I loved it. I was fascinated. So that martini thing, I was very excited about that. I also really loved it because I don't I don't know if you guys know this about martinis, but typically they are not just straight gin and straight vodka. Usually there's vermouth or occasionally there's like some brine from the olive jar, that sort of thing. That is just straight either vodka or gin with an olive thrown in just for fun. Ooh, and speaking of martinis and Sarah Michelle Geller, I saw on her Instagram over the weekend, I don't know who she was with, but she was in Atlanta and it was her and this other woman and they were like blue cheese, I guess, inside the olives versus I forget what the other one was. Or like one of them was something with blue cheese and then like one of them had vodka, one of them had gin. So my point is I felt very immersed in this whole experience because current present day Sarah Michelle Geller was out there drinking a martini while I watched her weird martini invention in from 99. Well, I actually called her up and said, hey, girly, it's been too long. We need to do brunch, but can you do this solid for me? And she came through. But because of that, our sponsor, one of our sponsors today is actually blue cheese stuffed olives, which I would find deplorable. On all grounds. I despise blue cheese. It is one of the few cheeses that I just cannot possibly even think about eating. And I hate all olives. Olives are like, if you ask me what is your, what what food do you hate? My answer will be olives. Like, I also don't like blue cheese, but I will tell you that I hate olives. They're gross. They're rubbery. They're salty and like too salty. I'm very, honestly, I think I might have a sensitivity to sodium because I can taste, like, my roommate had these chips and one of them had, like, a percentage more sodium than the other. She could not taste the difference. I was like, these are saltier. (laughs) I don't know what kind of, like, you can train me to, I don't know, detect sodium, I guess. I'm like one of those health uh, dogs that alert you to, like, allergens. (laughs) But just for salt. (laughs) Maybe I should keep you around. I have a genetically uh, and then also medically onset high blood pressure. So you just come around licking my food and let me know if the salt content's too high for me. Great. It'll be too high for me. Apparently, I really don't like salt. Emma, where do you stand on the blue cheese olive situation? I also despise blue cheese and olives, so I cannot imagine a worse taste in my mouth. Fuck, guys, I don't think we're going to make any money from this sponsorship. Sarah Michelle Geller is going to be pissed. <laughs> She's supposed to get 60% of this deal, and we're just shit-talking the product. God, there's just so many gems in this movie. I don't even feel like I can truly walk through it chronologically very well, because it's all just a fever dream. But I do want to highlight that Amanda Pete plays his initial girlfriend who's the pretty polished businesswoman who would also be described as like a stage five clinger because by the third date she's breaking into his office and like merging their digital calendars while wearing an aggressive amount of black eyeshadow but you have her absolutely lose her shit and after she eats the food while Sarah Michelle Gellar is cooking it and is like with her 
perfect hair and her perfect shoes and her perfect outfit and if she doesn't match with him and then she eats the food and she starts going on about her her perfect shoes and her perfect hair and everything like that and starts breaking plates and smearing mashed potatoes on his face and wiping her mouth on his tie. And the follow-up to this is that Sarah Michelle Gellar gets to go pick out plates <laughs> at this super expensive department store. She goes and orders like 24 plates when I'm pretty sure she only smashed like five at the max. She picks plates that do not match at all. Well, the other plates no, didn't But she's match. quirky, Madison. She's quirky. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's true. That's very true. Are you are you sorry? Are you <laughs> You did say sorry. Are you are you Canadian? Look, uh, it's she's been watching too much letter, Kenny. It's a, it was a common okay, so it was a combination. It started out as a joke. Okay? And then I watched a lot of Letter Kenny, and then I watched a lot of Anne with an E, both very Canadian shows. And then it just started happening. It's like, you know, when you start saying a phrase really ironically to snub your nose or whatever at pop culture, and then you start saying it without the least bit of irony. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> it just happened. No, I, uh, when I had a psych phase in um, college, I started saying, come on, son, as a catchphrase, as if I or Sean and Gus so we all have our struggles, you know. <laughs> I have different catchphrases at work, too, because my office is not a cursing office, apparently. And there are reasons for that, but that's fine. And I curse all the time, nonstop. And so I've started coming up with, like, little phrases like, well, Christ on a cracker, or yikes on bikes, just stupid shit like that. But the case manager at work has started doing it too, and when I hear it back at me, I'm like, God, that sounds so fucking stupid. And also when someone asks me a question that I don't know the answer to, and I do this outside of work setting too, so this is not work specific, but if someone asks me a question and I just don't know the answer, I go, I don't work here. But it's funnier when I do it at work. Because I do legitimately work there. And I'm just refusing. I'm refusing in that moment. I don't work here. Now I've completely lost the thread of what we were talking about with the movie beforehand. I mean, I think you were mostly saying that you can't go in chronological order and we were just sort of talking. I would like, since we've just come to a natural stopping point, you can, you know, go go back to your thinking. Um, I just want to take a moment to appreciate Patricia Clarkson who is Lois in here, who I, I couldn't figure out why. I'm like, why do I like her so much? And I think it's because she has the same energy as Annie Potts. Like I, they are, and I looked, cause I, I, I don't know why I thought, I mean, Patricia Clarkson is a little bit younger than Annie Potts, but not by much. So like they are same generation. You know what I mean? I don't know what mold made the two of them, but I would, I, I like it. I don't know. It's, they don't, 
I have never met a person like that in real life, but they just, they exude this energy that I very much would like to absorb. Are you a Designing Women fan? I have no idea what that is. What? How do you love (laughs) Annie Potts and you've never watched Designing Women? Well, I admit that some of it doesn't hold up now. Absolutely. But Julia Sugarbaker and her monologues and her quip. Oh my God. Okay. We're actually going to quit this podcast. Is this a TV show or a movie? Yeah, it's a TV show. It was in the 90s, I think. And it was excellent. And we're going to quit this podcast, abandon rom-coms, and we're going to start doing a Designing Women podcast. You threatened to abandon this podcast. You've done it twice already in this one. Oh, Oh God. No, no, no. (laughs) Chelsea, I want you to know that I'm not quitting this business with you. It is purely jokes. It just means that I also want to watch Designing Women with you. I want to increase the amount of time that I'm spending with you. Okay. That's so lovely to hear. Is it because I'm the only woman for you? (sighs) Unfortunately, yes. You are the only business partner I've ever wanted. And yep. we'll ever want. Yep, I keep I keep Madison on track. It's true. We will 1099 uh, Emma, though, uh, just to continue to fuck up her taxes. <laughs> What's one more, you know? What's one more? Emma, we do pay below minimum wage. Actually, we ask that you pay us. <laughs> <laughs> do you take uh, used gift cards or um, coupons that have expired? I won't take an expired coupon, but I will take a Starbucks card that has exactly a dollar and 27 cents left on it. Excellent. I probably have one in my wallet. Awesome. That'll get me two drinks that, uh, with the the oat milk upgrade, just the oat milk upgrade. Actually, no, I think it's 70 cents, 70 cents each. That'll only get me one oat milk. One and a half. Yeah. Which feels really discriminatory because my body can't process lactose. (laughs) I don't understand why oat milk is that expensive because oats are not, oats are very inexpensive. Like I understand like almond milk or cashew milk being like nuts are not cheap, but oats are. You probably just have to have a lot of oats to squish all the milk out. How do you even find the oat nipples to milk them, you know? (laughs) Where are the almond nipples? I think that's the pointy part of the <laughs> You know, that one might be a little more, a little more obvious. Yeah. Yeah, they just have the one. Did you know that cashews grow on a pear? What? Were you aware of this? Because when I found that sound, this blew my mind. They grow on a pear. Look it up. Did I find this during a Google rabbit hole? Maybe. You'll never know. <laughs> like, a, like a pear, like the fruit? Yeah, like not like a pear, but like it, it is a pear. It's a fruit. It grows on top of it. But not an o pear. No, 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 no. Okay. I didn't know if French nannies were. <laughs> I had to make sure. Yeah, French French nannies uh, grow cashews. <laughs> on their bodies. Look, if Chelsea tells me something, I'm inclined to believe her. I would never question my business partner. Well, that's pretty smart. But also pretty dumb now that I know that information. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> now I will proceed with caution. I haven't lied to you yet, but I might consider it. <laughs> Would you actually just turn that around and start baking food that forces me to feel what you feel so I can deeply understand empathy? Mm, mm, mm-hmm. 
But does this movie just show us that all Amanda feels is sexual tension and like weird psychedelic energy? Because that's what most everybody's feeling whenever they eat her. That's that's not what you exclusively feel, Emma. I was I felt I'm just 100 percent related to this movie. I was like, this all maybe I'm an outlier in that, but. I think she essentially just embodies someone who is horny on Maine and just occasionally drops acid and cries. That's all I got from her. Yeah. Yeah. When she told him that one good sexual thought takes about 20 minutes, I was like, I could never to a stranger because I could never say that to anyone with a straight face that I knew. Nope. I I don't know where like the confidence that that takes. I mean, I suppose he touched his um suspenders. So <laughs> he did touch his suspenders cuz he's he's also a little quirky, so he doesn't wear belts, he wears suspenders. Mm. And likes mm, airplane mm-hmm. model airplanes or paper airplanes. Yeah, they're paper airplanes. Not model airplanes. Not only that, he tracks the data of relationship happiness over dates and sees a precipitous drop off after date three. So, and then Lois says, what are you doing after date three? Lois is asking the important questions. I will say the the sudden him freaking out and just calling her a witch um, was a little peculiar and i felt like we had gone back in time 300 years but very briefly i know you get really nervous with her around the burners at that moment could have gone very differently yeah they could have shoved her in the oven but i mean okay wait the best his best line was when he's like lois i mugged a 75 year old woman for these (laughs) talking about the box of eclairs iconic also so brief tangent even though we've already gone on five the over the weekend we were at the little place in town that we love to have brunch at and they have these cheddar biscuits and when he said this line i went yeah my friends and i would mug a 75 year old woman for a box of those cheddar biscuits luckily we don't have to because the lovely woman that owns the restaurant when we said that we were plotting to get the recipe she was like i'll just give it to you and she gave us the recipe an icon i possess the recipe for these cheddar biscuits and I've never felt and more maybe powerful. maybe you could send it to me. I'll send it okay. to you right uh, now, Emma. That you would don't be have excellent, to wait. actually. Wait, can I have them too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you both the cheddar biscuit recipe. Perfect. These things are life-changing. God, I am not emotionally prepared. I, I will reach for this when I am in the depths of my seasonal depression, which started yesterday. Well, yeah. No, I'm, when I started to get on the podcast, I was like, oh, it's 11.30, right? It's pitch black outside. It was, it's not. It's much earlier than that. Oh, my God. Seeing that what text. is Southern Biscuit Flour? Okay, we'll get back to that later. <laughs> we'll get clarification. Okay, um, do you guys usually do, like, um, ingredients of a rom-com? No, but it feels very appropriate for... Uh... This we we normally talk about like tropes and things that the, the, the I guess this exists. could fall under tropes. I was just doing the ingredient vein, uh, kind of, you know that. I appreciate you staying on theme. You're so welcome. Time. I just have a couple. Um, tragic backstory check. Quirky hobbies. We've discussed this. Backed by needless facts. 
Check. Older, wise female figures. Check. Problem on a time crunch. Check. Um, efforts to establish sexual attention, even by ridiculous means. Check. And dramatic wardrobe change. Check. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wait, did you come up with these yourself, mm-hmm. or do you have a checklist? Nope, just as I was watching it. Honestly, I feel like up until this moment, we've been failing. And really, Madison, I think you've been failing because I know nothing about rom-coms. So I'm going to put all the I think you should here. start compiling a master list of these. Maybe we should consider hiring Emma to uh, compile them. Yeah, I got six. Um, right? I, I'm sitting here thinking, like, I don't actually want to leave the pod, but I think I have to fire myself. <laughs> Oh. Everyone welcome my new <laughs> co-host, Emma. <laughs> Guys, I'm gonna go cry in the corner if you hear any sobbing in the background. We'll we're trying to edit it out. <sighs> that is so true. Although I will argue that the wardrobe change wasn't needless. She wasn't fit to dance in a vanilla cloud. Fair enough. Was it necessary to put it on a mannequin and send it down the elevator? In a weird Alice in Wonderland fashion of wear me. I also loved how she was like, I had to go get shoes. Sorry for the delay. Well, they were the they were the lace up Doc Martens. So yeah, <laughs> you had to get to give them over her knee. Yeah, I loved how they said, you know, what looks really good on Sarah Michelle Gellar and any other thin woman in the 90s. This one single silhouette of a dress. And she's going to wear nothing but this, just in different designs. Cow neck, spaghetti strap, sheath. That's yep, it. That's it. That's the whole movie. I mean, they were essentially like slips mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. go under dresses. Or like or like those little lingerie oh, Yes. That, that was just what every thin woman was wearing in the 90s. And it was hot pink for some and she had red hair. I know. And I'm curious, because she never had that hair in Buffy. So, why? Yeah, because this is right in the middle of filming Buffy, where she had to be blonde. Red's really hard to get out. Yeah. Just to establish her as quirky in a new uh, facet, or I don't know. And I love the um, beret that's not holding up any hair at all. It's just... Freeform in her hair. It's not serving a function. No, I personally think that no single bit of any fashion design should be functional. So I appreciated that the beret did literally nothing. Take. You can have fashion, you can have function, but you cannot have both. No, please choose. But Chelsea, we've gone over some amazing additions to a trope counter but all in all is this a rom-com by our criteria that's yeah i don't know so i guess a first question we gotta ask is do they date are there moments in which the audience sees the connection between the romantic pairing deepening there's a lot of sexual tension (laughs) between the two of them they they get together to shove food in each other's mouths which the moment when he's like touching her face and her neck and then licking his fingers, <laughs> I've never been drier. <laughs> yes, the eating of each other's fingers was I was like, I don't I don't like this. And then on to the cold kitchen floor. 
with the vanilla smoke. Immediately. I know. Could you imagine, okay, you are in even a small restaurant. And I understand that good restaurants should be like one of the cleanest places. But we've already established she's not interested in health codes. So I really doubt that that floor is clean. I mean, fucking in a restaurant on a restaurant floor is automatically in a kitchen floor is automatically a health code violation. Do you think I know that earlier you talked about how this is like one pound of ratatouille. Do you think that this is actually a prequel? Mmm, interesting theory. Because there's health code violations, magic animals that make people cook. That's the main ingredient in this film is is ratatouille. Disney's ratatouille. So yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think it's sort of, it's, okay, we went from Pretty Woman mm-hmm. to The Princess Diaries. We went from Simply Irresistible to Ratatouille. That's that's the progression. This is the kids' version. Ratatouille is the kids' version of Simply Irresistible. Incredible. Or should I say incroyable? Incroyable. Oh, also, <laughs> Madison, I forgot to tell you, I uh, spoke to someone this weekend who spoke French, and we were wrong about episode eight, the play or the film that, that the birdcage was placed based on. It was La Cage, which I did say, but it's awful. La Cage awful. Anyway, I think I've now said that correctly. I was never going to get that right. And you know what I could have done? I could have put it in Google Translate and made it like read it to me because that's a function. I didn't want to come that prepared. I don't think anyone wants us to. I think they want us to flounder. People like to feel superior. <laughs> People like to feel superior and we offer them ample opportunities to be like, I am better than them. So you're welcome, everyone. It's our gift to you. Yeah, we're building confidence out here. It's true. So they obviously date. They have horny moments in kitchens and fog caused by flowers. What is flirtation if not a man touching his belt or suspenders? And then you telling him that one good sexual thought takes at least 20 minutes. That is flirtation right there. Don't forget the finger crooking. I wish you <laughs> oh, could yes. see it oh, yes. right now. Emma is doing the finger <laughs> crooking. Careful, Emma, you might seduce. It's all in the eyes and the finger. <laughs> Emma's masterclass on Come Hither Looks will be at uh, on December 5th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for yeah. anyone interested. It'll be out of Zoom, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It would be too powerful if you did it in person. <laughs> I don't have the frequent flyer miles to go to a, a good city, so. It was going to be in Toledo, but... <laughs> but I'm not sure what state that's in, so... I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Like, I, I don't know where Toledo is. It's a state that we could flood with ocean water to help. I think it's uh, salmon mating cycles. I think I saw something on that. Basically, uh, Hank and John Green had a discourse the other day via their TikToks about if we should flood the state in which Toledo lies. So... 
I'm actually pro it's that. It's a scavenger hunt that uh, Madison has just gifted you with. Exactly. If you know where Toledo is, you know not to go there because we're about to flood that shit with seawater. Or the salmon. <laughs> well, we're not, but it sounds like Hank and John Green are. Yeah, you thought they were a philanthropist? No, they're out here destroying states. I don't know about them. I don't know about them for some reason. You, do you? We like them or? <laughs> you know, I'm passively indifferent. Okay. Actually, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't care for them. I I, wa- I if Hank Green comes across my FYP, I will watch the video. Fair enough. So. Okay. Fair enough. I will too. I don't often see John Green, but. Uh... From what I understand, he just, like, makes a TikTok, posts it for 30 minutes, and then immediately deletes it. Because if I ever send it to somebody, if, like, if I watch it, I'm like, oh, actually, I should share that. And I share it. They go to watch it 30 minutes later, gone. They're like, you sent me nothing. The most recent video I watched for Hank Green was him getting into a fight on Twitter with Elon Musk. Um, So. (laughs) I want to fist fight Elon Musk in a Hobby Lobby parking lot. Great venue. Thank you. Yeah. It feels he doesn't know what Hobby yeah. Lobby is. He doesn't have hobbies. Yeah. He's never been to the lobby. He comes through the back way because he's mm-hmm. too important. He might get, I don't know, murdered. Okay, so we know that they date because there's obvious flirtation. Did we laugh, or at the very least, were we meant to laugh? Are there setups for comedy, physical comedy? Is the humor intentional? Absolutely. Absolutely. I. There's no way that you can watch this. Like, even if you are dumbfounded by the set, like the plot and the story, the way that the people act after eating the food is just, it's, yeah, you're going to laugh. I, I dare you not to, to be completely honest. And like we said, they're out there mugging 75-year-old women for baked goods. That's fucking funny. I laughed so hard when he... Because he was, like, appalled with himself. He's like, what have I done for <laughs> these caramel eclairs? Also, the moment when... Uh, I never learned her name throughout this, but the her aunt who's helping her... When she offers the love interest and his previous girlfriend a martini and they turn her down, she just walks by drinking it. And I'm like, that's a mood. <laughs> hey, the ship is going down. She's just going to enjoy the last few days, you know? She's the violin player on the Titanic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So they dated. We laughed. Uh, does love conquer the plot? Is love in the driver's seat of this here love I would argue that the crab is in the driver's seat. But is he a vehicle for love? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is if people are having a floundering time. You see that pun I did Mm -hmm, there with the mm -hmm, fish? mm -hmm. If they're floundering in their love life. They should seek out crabs. <laughs> yep. Crabs can save your love life. They can also ruin it, though. But in a pinch, one might help. <laughs> oh, my God. Madison, too many layers. <laughs> Get it? Because the crab pinches him and then yep. they fall in love. Yep. yep. You didn't need to explain it. We got it. Even the people that asked me if we actually met on Craigslist, I guarantee you they got it. 
I would propose, though, is the crab technically an unnecessary plot point? What is his purpose besides being magical? Well, he makes the food good, which makes them horny, which makes them fall in love. But why does it have to be a magical crab? What would you propose it be instead? Well, I and then the the guy from the beginning never came back. I think it would have made more sense if it was just like a mystical being who appeared at the beginning and appeared at the end. Okay, I think we've agreed that this is a rom com. Yes. yes? Mm-hmm. So I would like to now propose my fixes Excellent. for this movie. Okay, number one, the crab needs a name. What would you propose? Um. May I propose one? Yeah, yeah, you go ahead and propose one. Guillermo. <gasps> I love that. Oh my God, Guillermo the Crab. That's perfect, actually. I love it. That's perfect. Honestly, First you call. hit. You cracked this crab wow. right wide open. Wow. Thank you, thank you. Okay, but notice I didn't explain my joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know why I said Guillermo? Because I have a tiny pumpkin that was gifted to me by someone very dear. Uh, he looks still pristine, and I named him Guillermo because that was his personality. Like Guillermo de la Cruz. I can't... I'm gonna level with you, Chelsea. I can't roll my R's. And it's... That's very sad. I can't either. It's because my tongue is too short. Because the lingual frenulum, which is the connective tissue underneath your tongue that connects it to like the bottom of your mouth, extends too far forward towards the tip of my tongue. And my dentist informed me that that should have been clipped as a child. They are impressed that I don't have a profound speech impediment and never did. And they make fun of me every time I go to the dentist, which just compounds my dentist trauma that you know about. So Madison had one dentist that was convicted of murder. And I believe the other one was a child predator. So, yeah, there's a lot of trauma. Yeah, I to be fair, I didn't go to the second one um, while my first dentist was convicted of a double murder. Um, 10 years apart. The second one, my dad was in the middle of like root canal process and then all the records got frozen and he's like, holy shit, I have to finish this root canal. I'm in a lot of pain. I'll find another dentist that's nearby. So he goes to the other dentist and he comes home and he's like, great, I found us a dentist that's not a murderer. And then literally the next week, they show his face on the Channel 2 Action News and are like, Dentist, child predator, knocking out children and touching them inappropriately. And I was like, well, fuck, we can't pick them. So then my, the next dentist, who has been my dentist since then, I still drive like an hour to go see her for my six month cleaning. Well, I mean, who, what dentist can you trust, really? I mean, you've been burned not once, but twice. Exactly. So the way that she introduced herself to my dad, she's like, hello, my name is Dr. So-and-so, and I've never been convicted of anything. But the lingering statement there was, yet. Yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Emma, I have to ask, you were sticking your tongue out when Madison was talking about her tongue. Did you have one of those Kool-Aid things? Oh, no, it's Cherry Limeade from Sonic. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. No, I was trying to determine if I also had that weird tongue thing. I don't think so. I think I'm just not talented enough to roll my R's. Or I was never properly instructed. I think it's extra impressive because not only can Chelsea roll her R's, her tongue is also pierced. Oh, yeah. I was really worried that after I pierced it, I would no longer be able to roll my R's nor curl my tongue. But look at this, baby. Yeah, this podcast is really missing a visual element, I must say. Um, <laughs> I apologize to the listeners. Emma's manager did actually inform us in our very formal back and forth when we were setting up this guest spot that she would, under no circumstances, be subjected to a video component. Yes, so thank you for yeah. So really, this is holding Emma. up your end of the deal. Uh. Absolutely, absolutely. So that I could remain unshowered. (laughs) (laughs) Although you still look great. Thank you. I know, you look I did braid my hair in preparation for this event. You're welcome. But not (laughs) Not inappropriately. (laughs) And none of us are dentists. (laughs) Now all I'm thinking about is that elf in the Christmas movie that wants to be a dentist. Yep. Oh, Hermie! That right? entire movie yeah. is just a, yeah. a nightmare. I want to be a dancer. <laughs> anyway. All right, so we're going to name the crab Guillermo. Mm-hmm. You like the way I roll mm-hmm. my R's? I'm just going to rub mm-hmm. it in your face now. You suck. Now, Emma, I think you're going to disagree with me on this one, but... <clears throat> All right. My fix number two. They need to talk to the crab. I think the crab is doing a lot of the heavy lifting in this story. And I think that the crab is feeling unappreciated. Uh, So I really think that they should, you know, share their feelings with the crab. I think they should, you know, at least acknowledge that the crab is at the very least a good luck charm if they don't really understand the the power that the crab has. Yeah. So they need to, they need to talk to the crab, but, but importantly, I do not want the crab to talk. Uh, The crab can move its pinchers. The crab can move its eyes in response but i cannot have the talking crab i think that would honestly that would be going too far i know earlier you said wanted the crab to talk i don't want the crab to talk but i do want people to talk to the crab i think he's lonely i think he needs more attention he's really drawn the short end of the stick in Uh, my opinion follow up is he magical in every sense because all he does is sit on a shelf the whole time don't crabs live in water I think he's just okay. magical. No, okay, actually, so this isn't so much a fix as a question I did have watching the movie because I really, like you, Emma, I expected the man who gave her the crab to appear at some point in the future. And so my question is, is the crab inherently magical on its own or is the ma- is the crab a conduit through which this man, who perhaps is a wizard, uh, channels his magic like is the crab just a familiar but what is the magic man that uses crabs as his familiar getting out of the experience he doesn't know her but i also don't know what the crab is getting either hear me out what if the crab man is actually an angel sent by her mother who sees her floundering and that actually was not meant to be a pun, who sees her struggling and goes, you know what she needs? 
She needs to know how to cook and she needs to get dick down. Mm-hmm. That'll fix her life mm-hmm. and save my restaurant. And so her mom is like, hey, Angel, Gina Riley, I think his name was. Yep. Go down to this farmer's market and help my daughter get laid through cooking. Do we really think the mom is trying to get her daughter laid? As any good mother would. Correct. (laughs) Okay, but if it's not the mom, if it is the crab, how does the, the crab understand human romance and have a vested interest in her life? Emma, have you not seen The Little Mermaid? <laughs> That's kind of going the opposite way, though. He's he's more of a blocker than a helpmate in that situation. But he has to be able to recognize romance in order to understand that he has to stop but something he, from he happening. he can so. talk. He has that reasoning ability. Um, There are plenty of people that have reasoning ability who who cannot speak so i would argue that honestly your comment is just incorrect but they're not and crabs a little ableist <laughs> <laughs> look 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 emma there is no one that understands human sensuality like a crab. Okay. <laughs> so just because sebastian beaver dammed ariel <laughs> for like the first part of the film, when they were on that boat, he was like, hey, baby, why don't you fucking pucker up? He did help create the mood. You're right. You're right. He did yeah. sing that sexy song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just so lascivious for a child's movie. Look, I, I just honestly, I feel like this crab was done dirty. So I justice for Guillermo. Anywho, I'll be representing him. <laughs> A friend told me recently that I should become an animal lawyer. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm looking into it. So uh, if if it pans out, I will be Guillermo's yeah, representation. But pro bono, of course. Um, anyway, um, my last one is that I think, and this honestly, this would change. This would change it from a rom com into something else. But I think I would have liked the movie a little bit more. Uh, have either of you seen the Brass Teapot? No. With Juno Temple and the kid from uh, Sky High who didn't have any powers. Okay, so very, very briefly, the brass teapot. They're a young couple, and they don't have any money. And for some reason, they go to this, like, antique shop or this thrift store in the middle of nowhere. And I can't remember if they are handed this teapot or if they buy the teapot or if they find the teapot. But then all of a sudden, when they start, like, accidentally getting hurt, like, she, like, burns herself with a curling iron, money appears in the teapot. And so the movie, like, at first, it's, like, very funny because it's, like, all of these scenarios in which they're, like, hurting themselves purposefully to get money. But then the magic starts changing and what they have to do to get money changes. And it becomes a little bit more nefarious. So here's what I would like. Here's what I propose. I propose a brass teapot-style treatment for the crab. And I would like either, now I asked my question about the crab. Is the crab magical or is the crab a familiar and sort of doing the bidding of another magical being? And I think this can work in either case. I think that the crab, because honestly, I really, I want the crab to get a little bit of uh, vengeance because these people are benefiting from his powers and he's getting no thanks. So I think that the magic needs to start changing 
and needs to start going wrong. And I mean, look, in my version, the crab comes out on top. But if we need a happy ending for these honestly just terrible humans that just are ungrateful, then sure. Um, they can bond over trying to defeat the crab. And if and if the crab itself is not magical, then they can bond over the crab can tell him that I'm being forced to work as a minion for this guy. And then they team up with the crab to go, um, you know, stop the wizard or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's better. Thank you. Thank you. And they could fall in love along the way of helping this crab. Exactly. I just wish mm-hmm. you had been older than what five when this movie came out so that you could have you know taken (laughs) part in the script writing process thank you so much actually chelsea i'm really mad that you didn't try at age five to join this script i was i was not yet five (laughs) but um yeah i was because i'm sure that so this movie probably started pre-production in 94 no, 99. No, so 97? No, 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 no. So I would have been this two. This had to have started pre-production like four months before it came out. Do not give it the All right, benefit so, of the doubt. Yeah. Okay, so I was four. I was four. I'm so sorry that I didn't have my act together. Yeah. No, that's okay. Wow. It's like that. It's like the scene in my favorite uh, Christmas movie, Scrooged, with Bill Murray. Watch it every year. But the asshole dad kind of like they go into the past it's a christmas carol sort of story where they go into the past and it's christmas and he's like four years old and he's watching tv with his mom and his mom leaves on christmas and that's why he has a fucked up you know adulthood or whatever but the dad comes in and the kid is like what'd you get me for christmas and he's like i got you a leg of lamb He's like, a leg of lamb? What? And he goes, get a job! And he's like, I'm only four! <laughs> so that was that whole spiel about my favorite Christmas movie. It's just to say that I guess at your age, you were like, I'm only four. I can't rewrite an entire script because I don't even really know how to properly write yet. I would not have been allowed to watch this movie at four years old. There's too much suggestive eclair that, is, that would have been deeply inappropriate and, and seductive vanilla fog yeah you're right that would have put you into years and years and years of therapy as opposed to the just years yeah of therapy. yeah correct yes mm-hmm. absolutely so i was trying to rack my brain to see if there's any additional fixes that i would make but by God, what a gem of a movie. How could you want to touch any hair on its head other than maybe bringing justice for Guillermo? Justice for oh, Guillermo. I would say it did not have a proper resolution. Mm. Tell us more okay. about that, Emma. Did she save her restaurant or did she start working in the in whatever Jonathan's restaurant? What? Where do we go from here? Where Does the crab help her forever? Yeah, speaking of no credit for the crab, the they let the people think that the French guy also is that mm-hmm. they don't say, and I have a real problem with that. This is the patriarchy. No, all it's just like we're dancing, everything's cool, fade to black. I that's not enough for me. I too wanted this movie to go on for another hour. 
Oh, that's a, that's a generous <laughs> amount of time. Maybe another five minutes. Where we get a, a little cute to cut scene where she's working in her super successful restaurant and he walks in and they like, you know, kiss and everything's wonderful. And then like they wave at the crab, you know, something like that. Oh, so they should actually yes, acknowledge, acknowledge the, the crab, existence, like, which is what I've been maybe saying give him a little time. like cat statuary or something to play on. I don't know what crabs like. <laughs> I know what crabs like. <laughs> I know what constations want. <laughs> I think they like cat food. He never eats. He's in that lettuce at some point. Like he's kind of wrapped in it like a blanket. But other than that, we never see him eat. So she feeding him? We don't know. What if that's like his comfort lettuce? You know, when she massacred his brothers and fed them to her love interest, was he cool with that? You know, like, that's a great question. He watched his like comrades in arms get boiled alive. Yeah. That's hardcore. That's a rough way it to is. go. We just we established earlier that none of us like to be hot ever. Imagine being boiled alive. It's the yep. hottest you'll ever be until death. Yeah, I agree. There could have been more. Res- I really want her to go back and save her mom's restaurant so we can have you've got male redemption for chelsea's sake oh yeah thank you also thank she you. lives there so would she have to move yeah that's true or she'll just rent out well although it doesn't sound like she owns the building she goes upstairs and sometimes she goes to the next i don't understand how the living situation works but whatever we were too busy asking questions yeah. about the crab. Also, so. that time where she goes upstairs to find a recipe and then comes downstairs with earrings. And she was like, I didn't find one. And he's like, but what are we going to do? In the in the final part where she's going to the like kitchen at the fancy restaurant and she freaks out because she doesn't have her earrings. I really thought like, oh, did she also forget the crab? And so the cooking's not going to work. But no, she remembered the crab somehow. But she forgot the earrings. I think she believed in the crab in her heart. She just didn't want to say it out loud. Well, okay, to be fair, I want to point out that she did actually briefly acknowledge the crab. She she, she did, did briefly acknowledge the crab in the restaurant. Right, okay, but I'm saying that this whole movie, the crab has been sitting on a shelf, chilling, and has not gotten so much as a thank you. I mean, it's not like he's doing, like, active manual labor, though. He's providing Um, magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a lot of magic, okay? And if watching any kind of dark fantasy has taught me anything, it's that using a lot of magic takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm, There's a lot of nosebleeds mm -hmm. involved, um, weird vein things happening, you know, uh, sometimes a loss of color in your hair. So, I mean, to think the toll that has been taken on this uh, cra- poor little crab, poor little crustacean, it's kept me up one night. <laughs> I Frankly. only watched this movie yesterday. <laughs> that's only one, that's one night too many, Chelsea. Thank you. I think you should write a strongly worded letter to the director, who I actually didn't mention previously, because he hasn't, he hasn't done a whole lot. What else would he need to do? Honest. Well, he did do the 1983 uh, hit film Christine. 
that is based off of the Stephen King short story, or I don't know if it's a short story or a novel. I've never read it, but it's about a killer car. Interesting. Sure. Killer cars, magic crabs. This guy seems to know his. Yeah, pick niche. a lane. Good for him. We also can't speak ill of him anyway because he is dead. So tell me where he's buried and I will just go and leave the letter on his grave. Just like how uh, Marissa was peeing on... uh... Look, I'm not going to pee on this man's grave. I'm just going to leave my note and, you know, he can... And then I'll I'll hire a psychic and we can have a seance and I can tell him where I think he could have improved his work. And perhaps that will, you know, be his unfinished business is how could I make simply irresistible, actually irresistible to audiences. And I will have given him the answer and then he can move on. So really, I'm I'm doing I'm giving him the justice Guillermo never got. Incredible. And so selfless, too. Like, wow. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my last point. So did he just decide that the love interest, did he decide he was cool with her being a witch? Or because we never really see like what's going on in his head. He's just like thinks about all their time together, mostly them making out. And he's like, you know what? I do love her. I'm going to go throw this paper airplane at her to tell her. But they don't ever really talk. They just he just sends her that dress and then he's like, You're really beautiful, and then they kiss and the movie's over. So, um thoughts. But Emma, when you have caramel eclairs and vanilla fog, do you need to talk? Yes. Um, I would say <laughs> yes. I know. I just have trouble um finding out what she loved about him so instantly. You know what? Here's the thing. So this is so funny that you say this because I kept thinking, why don't I hate them the way that I hate most couples that we've seen in these films? And I think what it is, it's the magic crab. The magic crab just lets me believe that everything that is happening is because of a magic spell. So they don't have to be Okay, okay. I can get behind that. So the crab is the linchpin in your ability to suspend disbelief. Yep. You you showed me a magic crab that's doing all this mumbo jumbo to their emotions, and I am now like, sure. I I didn't even question any okay. of the romance stuff. I was just so like, uh-huh. the crab is just Cupid. Mm. He shot them with magical arrows that made her cook amazing, and that was all she wrote. Okay, I would say that he pinched them with his magic claws. And that is what triggered the lust fest of this That's movie. true. Because Did, didn't he pinch both of them? I think so. Yeah, I think so. But he also, well, and he also pinched the asshole French sous chef. And then the sous chef was feeding him the dessert cream. He was feeding the crab the dessert cream at the end of it. Honestly, what a hero. The only person to acknowledge Guillermo's existence gave him some cream from the dessert or whatever the heck it was. True hero. A patriot. (laughs) (laughs) Chelsea, I came across a video of a woman 
feeding a crab that she has as a pet the other day. And she went like, oh, happy mouth when it was eating its, like, favorite food. I'm going to find that video. I'm going to send it to you because I think it will restore your soul in relation to how it was crushed by this movie. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, fair point, French chef. He'd been working as a sous chef for 16 years. Didn't he deserve a shot? And then this random lady comes in and steals all the thunder. It's a a regular Sharpay Evans uh, in High School (laughs) Musical. She worked for that part. And then Troy and Gabriella just come in with their great chemistry and they steal the show. You know? Justice for Justice Sharpay. Sharpay and her gay brother. <laughs> yeah, it was a little weird in that movie how they kept throwing them together like a couple. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this feels vaguely incestuous. Mm-hmm. But so did that show uh, with the step siblings. If you remember that, like Disney original show, I can't remember what it's called, but I see it in my brain. My life yep. with Derek. Yep. Yes. Yep. You do know the reason that that show was canceled was because those two actors were dating and the tension got it's, to be too much too on much. screen and they were like, we cannot have this happen. Actually, you know, George R.R. R. Martin saw that and then he wrote <laughs> I would believe that one million percent. Because once again, if you say it, I believe it. <laughs> you should put that on Wikipedia. <laughs> I I could. If I wanted to. But only if you donate $3. They are just constantly asking for that $3. They really are. And they're like, it's a cup of coffee. And I'm like, not if you get oat milk. Because it's an extra 70 cents. I don't know what decade you're living in. That's not a cup of coffee. No. That's like gas station coffee. But we've gone through how we could fix this. We've gone through... If it's a rom-com, essentially this is a great movie if we got justice for the crab, Guillermo. But where does it land on the watchability score? And Emma, I will explain this to you. Please do. So the watchability score is based off of the walkability score on Zillow. So on Zillow, if you have a location, it gives a walkability score as to how close it is to transit stops, to local shops... That sort of thing. Okay. So we have a watchability score of one to five to mimic that. And it starts at one where you are stranded in the desert. You are around nothing, nowhere. Two, you are at a back roads barbecue, just way in the sticks. It's going to be good food, but there's nothing for miles. Three is a strip mall in suburbia where you're like around stuff. But you still have to drive like 30 minutes to get there. Four is four blocks from a transit stop, you know, walkable distance to easy commute. And then five is the best coffee in the entire city is literally downstairs. You just walk down. There it is. Grab your cinnamon latte with oat milk. So where would you rank this? Where does this fall for you? What was the second one? Backroads Barbecue. Backroads Barbecue. Mm -hmm. That's where I would hit it. Oh, man. So you would eat there, but you'd be alone. Yeah. For miles. But it's a coincidence. I happen to be here. I happen to be hungry. I'll stop. But I probably won't be making my way back here anytime soon. That makes sense. 
controversial, but I, I'm giving this a strip mall in suburbia. I I think that this is this was I'm never gonna forget this movie. And honestly, I didn't I wasn't mad about having to watch it. Sometimes I get angry about having to watch these movies. I did not get mad about this one. I think I would agree with you, Chelsea. I think I'm sitting right at a good three, a nice strip mall in suburbia. It's going to take me a little while to get there, get back. But, you know, when I'm there, I'm enjoying it. I'm getting one of those Annie Ann's pretzels. It's just dripping with butter. So. Yep. Well... Now that we have all that wrapped up, Emma, do you have any pluggables? Are you anywhere that you'd like the people to know where you are? I have a very private following on Instagram. You won't be able to find me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I absolutely adore that. Which just makes people want to find you more. Good Emma. luck. <laughs> we'll do a scavenger hunt for Emma. <laughs> Oh. Love it, love it. Well, you may not be able to find Emma anywhere online easily, but by God, you can find us. And make sure that it is only over the internet because I don't want to be found. Not even by myself. Uh, you know, some people are on a journey, Chelsea, where they're trying to find themselves. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I told my therapist today that I didn't want to be pursued. Did she find that as a red flag? Or was she like, okay. <laughs> she didn't quite understand what I meant. I then okay. had to elaborate. But um Yeah. I don't I don't think she thought it was a good thing. <laughs> um she then told me that human connection was natural and probably healthy. And you're like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other day I told my mom that I think that like twenty four hour medically induced comas should be you know, just a thing that you can get when you're just really fucking tired and you just need a break. Just call up your boss and be like, I'm sorry, man, I'm going to be in a 24-hour medically I'm going to be in a coma, coma this weekend. <laughs> that sounds, like, incredible. Right? Why is that not a thing? Exactly. I guess just because with, the, you know, anesthesia and stuff like that, there is going to be an inevitable complication. You might, you not, might not wake, wake up. up, yeah. But, Yeah. Risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> <laughs> For a good night's sleep? Can you please give me the number of your therapist? <laughs> <laughs> just casual. I just want to text her up. Be like, hey, bestie. <laughs> but in all seriousness, if you do want to follow us online, you can find us on Instagram at love at first screening. You can currently find us on Twitter, although I don't know how much longer that's going to last with the state of the world. Uh, and that's at the laughs pod, T-H-E-L-A-F-S-P-O-D. Uh, you can also send us all of your thoughts, feelings, write to us as if you're writing in a diary. Tell us your theories about Guillermo. Uh, please send a message to loveatfirstscreening at gmail.com. Let us know about this crab. Chelsea's we very passionate about this crab. And I'm very passionate about Guillermo. I <laughs> if no one writes in about him, we're just going to be crushed. I'll be checking myself into a medically induced coma. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're listening to this, there are no major elections coming up. When we're recording this, there is one tomorrow. Uh, but... 
when you're listening to this, there's no major election coming up in a pressing period of time, but that doesn't mean you should ever stop voting. And Chelsea, where the fuck can they vote? You can vote on Instagram at love at first screening every Thursday or perhaps Friday. If I don't have my act together, there is a poll. You can make your voice heard. Very hard hitting questions such as who wore it better Josie Grossi or a deranged chicken. We were talking about white feathers. This week, I believe I asked people uh, what their thoughts were on proposals in Tiffany's. So like really, really just gut-wrenching, you know, lines are going to be drawn in the sand uh, when you when you pick. But you know what? We, the, truth, the truth must come out. The people must vote. So highly encourage you to make your voice heard every Thursday maybe Friday. You know, Chelsea, you're on the verge of some really hard-hitting levels of journalism. Like, you're just eking towards it. And I'm not saying that you're the next Christian Amanpour, but I'm not not saying that. Wonderful. Great. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> we are definitely in the same vein. Exactly. Exactly. So, Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on if you'll join us in the future sometime i promise that we will uh coordinate better with your manager in the future all right well we are love at first screening you can catch us every wednesday wherever you get your podcast spotify apple Podcasts. there's more popping up that i did not know we were on so you know just just check it out um send it to a friend your mom, your grandma. Don't send it to my grandma. I've said some mad shit about her on here. Do not send it to my grandmother. I swear to God, I will track you down. Okay. But send it to Chelsea's grandma because she's also talked mad shit about her on here. <laughs> my grandma knows what she's done, okay? <laughs> I'm not scared of my grandma. She knows what she's done to me. I've told her to her face, so. Hello, this is Madison from the future realizing that we never announced what we were going to watch next. We got too excited with Emma being on. It's completely understandable because I'm assuming you've had probably the most fun that you've had since Straight Up because this is now officially my favorite episode since Straight Up. Either way, in case you did want to know, we will begin our holiday movies next time around. So the next movie that we will be watching is, in fact the holiday. But as another surprise, we will be having back-to-back -back guest episodes. Since Chelsea and I have both watched the holiday previously, we brought in my sister Serena to help be the new fresh set of eyes. So if you want to watch that ahead of time, now you know, watch the holiday. Thanks! But anyway, we're here every Wednesday talking about all of the rom-coms you love, the ones you love to hate, and everything in between. So until next time.